I'm Joe. And I'm Reed. And this is Double Shot, the digital journal of two young professionals navigating growth in work and life. Okay, on this episode, we dive into the idea of essentially setting your ceiling too low. Joe and I both hold this belief that you really shouldn't set your own ceiling, that that many things are possible that maybe you don't give yourself credit or, or the ability to do today. Uh, but we also, in this conversation, find many areas where we have set our ceilings too low ourselves. So uh, it's an interesting exploration of both that concept and how discipline layers into the conversation. So uh, very interesting. You also will hear some updates around Joe's shift in training as he's going into the half marathon that's coming up and my own training with the full marathon as well. So uh, a lot of fitness conversation, but a lot of other interesting stuff as well. As always, we hope you enjoy. Right now. Well, I was just thinking about my run this morning, so I, I did run before work, so I got here a little bit later than normal, um, but I was just thinking about the fact that I generally... I perform better i feel better if i have coffee in the morning before i run mm-hmm. which means getting up early enough to have the coffee not immediately before i go on my run mm-hmm. does it dry I'm, you out no 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 it dries me out really? a ton i had a shot of espresso right before the last workout at quarterfinals my, my friend had gone out and he had to grab some cash from the bank and so he was like you want anything i was like would you grab some espresso i'm like a little tired and could use a, a something boost. And so I, he comes back, and he had been driving around, so it was, like, perfectly lukewarm, and I was just like, hit it. And then I was warming up, and then my mouth was just, like, paper. So I was just, like, taking, like, and I didn't want to drink a lot of water because then you have all this water in your uh-huh, stomach, and yeah. then like, you feel like crap. So um, <laughs> I had a blender bottle of electrolytes on the floor with me, mm-hmm. and between a movement, I, like, grabbed it and, like, hit myself in the face with it, and then, like, just threw it back down, and it's just, like, spilling everywhere. Amazing. Because <laughs> I didn't... For some reason in my head, taking two seconds to like drink that thing was gonna too much, uh-huh. too much time. So I like yeah. was doing something on the floor, like and we were, we had like V ups in the last workout, and I like hit my last V up and like rolled over, like grabbed my blender bottle and just like slammed it into my face. Half of it fell out of my mouth. <laughs> that makes me my mind go two places. One, I was coming into the office today so excited to have some electrolyte from the um advocare stuff oh it's gone it's gone yeah <laughs> didn't know that i was devastated so that's one two that actually i feel a serious parallel to that with running in that in my mind i'm like if i'm running in a race and i'm gonna get the water i am not slowing down if i'm holding 645 i'm gonna keep holding 645 to drink this water and half it's gonna end up on me it's like <laughs> actually if i slowed down to 745 for five seconds nothing would I'm happen totally fine <laughs> So I've tried to adopt that. Like when I did my last race, I like truly would like slow down to a jog, drink the water, and then pick back pick it back up speed. Now, given there's a difference between like going for a true PR where seconds matter and yeah. not, but like if I'm just going for a race for a decent time, it's like oh yeah, I could actually like have this water enter my body and not be on my body, not be on my body. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too, and I want to hear what because I totally cut you off on the the coffee story from this morning Mm -hmm. with my question about it drying your mouth out and then wanting to tell my own story because that's what I do. (laughs) And, uh, but I actually read something one time that even flushing with Gatorade is an equivalent um, performance upgrade Mm. to drinking it if you're not going so long that you're actually depleting glycogen storage. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're going a full marathon, you're depleting glycogen well, storage. Well, it's like 90 minutes Yeah, about to say 90 show. minutes is so about like the time period. So even a half, marathon. you don't actually need it. Yeah. Um, but like the swish mm-hmm. does something for you. 
That's why I don't fuel on half marathons. Yeah, I was thinking all. about it this morning, and I was like, I don't need anything. I'm a no-gel guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be... Like, It'll be like 145 or something like that. Is that yeah, somewhere in that range, yeah. 145 to 2. Yeah. I'm shooting for like an 8-minute, which is... For somebody who like does this shit all the time, I'm really bad at the actual. I don't math. know. I, I always pull up Active.com's running pace calculator. I mean, it's eight times thirteen, which is. A, but it's not exact, right? Um, all right, here we go. Running pace calculator. We're gonna go to Active. We're gonna put in eight flat. It's about a one forty-five. Okay, there you go. Thanks. Um. So yeah, to the coffee thing. So all I was thinking was, it's never just espresso. Like I love my latte so much. That I have a latte, have a even latte when it's before, before a five thirty a.m. run. I have a Dude. latte. I'll do a, a smaller latte, like a ten ouncer, eight ouncer kind of thing. Include like ten ounces of milk or ten ounces total. Total drink, okay. like those glasses that you got. Yeah, me, okay. Those become the ones for okay. uh, the morning latte. But it was still latte, and I was on my run this morning. Like, I can't believe I drink lattes before this. And I feel do, fine. Nothing sounds worse to me. Yeah, I cannot fathom the idea of drinking a cup of warm milk and then doing a workout. <laughs> <laughs> and without fail, that's my routine. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem to bother you. I guess it's one of those things where, like, there are things that are not optimal, but if they are routine, it's probably not going to disrupt you that much. Like, yeah, there's the general thing is like don't have dairy close to exercise is like the thing. Yeah, but it's I guess. And now, given if I had like. A bunch of cheese cubes in the evening before. Feel, I'd feel like the evening rough. before, really? Yeah. But you can have whole milk right before. They can have whole milk right before. Whole milk and cheese cubes have very similar makeups. It milk is or cheese is essentially aged milk. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the thing is. That's wild. It's probably because I'm never restrained when I have cheese oh, cubes. Okay, so it's an I'm over. gonna like crush like a <laughs> pound of cheese versus like eight ounces of warm yeah. warm milk. Hot milk before Hot milk a run. Before a run. <laughs> um I remember I used to do when I when I did all my crossfitting in the morning, so six a.m. back when I owned the gym for a period of time. Um, my drive to the gym was like twenty five minutes because I was coming from downtown, mm-hmm. and I would wake up and I would make myself like a Greek yogurt parfait, basically like some oats. This was also when I was like deep in the no sugar zone. Yeah. So I'd have like plain Greek yogurt, which I still love, plain Greek yogurt, frozen berries, and oats, and then I'd like whip that up and take it into my car and like eat it as I drove. And one of my Friends from college is a uh, sports dietitian. She's an RD. Works with Olympic teams, pro athletes, college athletes. She was like, I was talking to her about nutrition one day, had some questions. She was like, so tell me about this Greek yogurt situation before you work out. And I was like, yeah, you know, telling her why I do it. And she was like, you don't feel bad after that? I was like, I don't know. I don't think so. She was like, just try not that for like two <laughs> weeks try anything else. and see what happens. And I was like, what, what should I have? And she was like, what do you like? And I was like, well, you know, I want to stay away from sugar. And she was like, how much do you train? And I was like, two hours a day. And she was like, why do you care about the sugar? Uh-huh. <laughs> and she actually understands how when it all somebody, works, like, right? who actually knows yeah. and tells you how stupid what you're doing yeah. is, yeah. Well, like, because we're friends, she's not like nurturing this. She's like, why do you, what? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. this is nonsense. And so then I started eating Kodiak cakes and I felt a lot better. Yeah. Carbs, one half, baby. one half, or uh, well, one full serving of Kodiak cake, it's like a half cup, is perfect. Because you get what, like 10 grams of protein and like 14, 20, 30 carbs? Actually, it's like, it's 28 carbs and 14 protein. Yeah. Which is like a two to one That's ratio. Great. It's about what you want. Yeah. Um, it's actually probably a little heavy on the protein side, technically. Mm. Like, I, I could just do a banana. I mean, whatever. But yeah. the warm pancake in the morning is like, well, there's like prime. another example of like what's 
optimal, right? So ideally, let's say you're going to go do an endurance thing. The f- yeah. The fuel you want to have in the morning is like carbohydrate that can be processed quickly. Right. Bananas are perfect examples yep. of that. My thing before my long runs is a bagel. And also great. Eggs. Now, given like protein from the eggs, like that's a decent amount, and also the bagel is definitely not as quick to digest as. Well, how long's your run? It uh, depends. I'll yeah. do that before a ten miler. I'll do that before a twenty miler. Yeah, I mean, I would actually say that the longer the the longer the event, the, the event, more the bagel and eggs so makes I sense. Can have it, yeah, yeah, because uh-huh. you want it to actually not spike. Yeah, like really, really fast. Um, so, in fact, we I was looking at nutrition um, stuff from the program I follow for CrossFit, and they were talking about for various types of workouts what they recommend. Mm-hmm. And actually, they said, um, which was interesting, and it makes a lot of sense now. I think about it that the more intense and short the workout is, the longer away from it your meal should be. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you would think, you know, for CrossFit, a 20-minute AMRAP's a pretty long workout. Yeah. Um, you'd think like, oh, 20-minute AMRAP, I'm going to breathe a lot. I'm going to be like pushing metabolically. I probably shouldn't eat very close to it. And they're like, well, not really true because your ramp up into intensity is so much different. Like you could technically use your first round of a 20-minute AMRAP as a warm-up and you'd probably be okay. Mm-hmm. Like not put up your best score by any stretch of the imagination but like you perform just fine whereas if you do like a five minute capped workout that's as just like as fast as you can go from the beginning and you've eaten two hours before that like that's when you people lose their lunch yeah and i was like oh that's that's true so i tried to eat like four hours ahead of the intense workouts and then like have a, a date that's or something, something like yeah. you know mm-hmm. and just like feel a little empty which is just new for me. And now that I'm running more, getting ready for the mini, I'm seeing like, oh, yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. Farther away, feel hungry, you're fine. Sort of, it's a new experience. So I want to I want to hear where your head is at with mini training. Because okay. you said the other day, like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing my first longer run this coming weekend, and I did a workout, and I, like, I forgot, like, oh, yeah, we're past the quarterfinals. Like, you're in running Yeah, and I'm in running now. training. And I just want to know how you're feeling, where your head's at, where's your confidence at. Yeah, I mean... I I probably did well enough in quarterfinals that I care less about the mini than I did before. Care less as in less interested or less worried about your performance? Less worried about my performance. Okay. What I'm I'm like not willing to sacrifice six weeks of any strength development just to optimize performance in the mini. Yeah. So I think before quarterfinals, I was like, mm, let's shoot for like a 745. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, that's cool if I can do it, but I'm going to let myself have an eight and I'm not going to like, take out too much CrossFit training, too much, mostly too much strength training more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I feel like the running volume is making me hurt when I lift, I'll probably ease up on it and just deal with the 13.1 for a Saturday. The one to two weeks leading up to the mini, yeah. are you going to taper both running and CrossFit volume? Probably not the CrossFit volume. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. So to give you some perspective on how we taper, it's like a week. Mm-hmm. And that's like pretty standard for CrossFit athletes. Even even games athletes talk about. Um, and you know, this is actually interesting. The sport is still new enough that I'm wondering if people are going to change this over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way people t- people taper for events in CrossFit is like, say the event is on a Friday, they'll train hard through the fo- through the prior Saturday, and then they'll start tapering. Like they'll be off Sunday, and then it'll just be like high intensity, low volume for Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, they'll touch on movements that are coming, but not much. And then Thursday's all the way off and then walk into Friday. Mm -hmm. And most CrossFit athletes, you hear them talk about like, I almost need to be 
adapted to the pain that I'm going to put myself through mm-hmm. in order to like mentally get there. Which says like we have we have ways to go on like tapering mm-hmm. as a as a sport, but um, I'm most used to tapering a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think if I walk in, what I'm going to look at is just take back the volume um, down to fifty to seventy five percent of in, of normal. Okay. Um, I won't do like all right the Friday before the mini, like heavy leg work kind of. thing. Yeah, I'm not like going to like go be... do like mostly volume is actually the problem. Like yeah. I won't do like yeah hundreds of wall balls the mm-hmm. week leading up to the mini. But um, CrossFit doesn't leave me that sore most of the time. As long as I'm not like smashing the volume. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. It was interesting. When I tapered for my PR half, I like, I really struggle. I actually just love my routine and my volume, right? Yep. So, to bring it down to like 15 miles the week before the race is like brutal. It's actually the hardest part. It is, but I stuck to that. And the morning of and the day before, I can't even describe to you the like sensation in my legs from the amount of energy and like, that was just built up. How good they it felt. It was like, I just felt like I was like shaking. I like, there was like so much energy ready to just release because I was so like rested and primed. Yeah. I, I get that too. Like I was like that both before Austin mm-hmm. and before quarters, like actually a little less before quarters work was stressful. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how much all of that kind of builds. No. Yes. Like it's like, okay, I'm not training as hard, but man, my life feels really stressful like yeah. i remember thursday before i started quarters i had the worst headache i thought it was a coffee headache it was not it was a real headache <laughs> like tension headache yeah like i felt better after i took advil oh okay. which is really i almost never take advil yep um just don't really need it ever mm-hmm. and try not to by a, like a habit um and i remember that thursday i was just like exhausted head hurt felt like crap and i was like i, I gotta go like perform tonight this is not great mm-hmm. this is not great and did, did great you did great, did great yeah. but it's interesting to think about how much um like my recovery was not good the week prior didn't sleep well mm-hmm. it was just like i could tell there was a lot of stuff in my life that was causing a lot of stress um and so part of it getting ready for like a, doing a taper well i think is also about like controlling those out oh, outputs yeah. um Hundred percent, because I had the the same thing occur last week, but I I didn't perform well. Like mm. it actually ruined it. Because yeah. I would say that last week was potentially the like most important week of training for my training mm. block. Uh, that's like, what I wanted to get into was how your marathon stuff's going. Yeah, so like last week was peak. It was going to be peak volume. Uh, I was going to do like a one or two good high quality, high intensity sessions with my last truly long run before I like started to taper. But I stress was the highest it's been in like a year to the point where I like had tension headaches, had like, I still do have like lymph nodes like flaring up in my hands, huh. like true, yeah, true stress, true stress response. Are um, you somebody who knows that's coming or is it a, like a surprise moment to you? Like, do you look at your calendar on Sunday and go like, shit. Or are you somebody who's like, oh, shit, that was a stressful week? Uh, I'm aware of it in the moment because the physical symptoms show up for me very okay. quickly. Yeah. So I like, uh, <laughs> we could have, I think, another episode at some point on emotional intelligence, right? And there's the like self and others piece of that. Like how or where are you? Aware are you of your own emotions and of yeah. other people's? And how well do you manage your own and your reaction to others, right? Yeah. And I think I'm 
decent at the um, awareness of self, but the taking action on that is the the weak point. So, but to that end, like I could feel like, oh yeah, I have this headache, tension headache, right rear, and like yeah, stress, uh huh. The things flaring up on my hand. It's like the last time that happened is like a year ago when I thought I was gonna like go into cardiac arrest yeah, from my wild. stress. So like I was like, oh yeah, these things are happening. And I was like, I'm gonna try and push through. So Saturday was gonna be like five miles or 10k. Uh, I ended up doing four of a walk run. And then Sunday was going to be 20 to 22. I ended up doing four walk run. So it was it's like, good that you actually listen to yourself. Normally you would just be like, ah. push through. Yeah. I, I mean, it was like to the point where I, my heart rate at 10 minutes a mile was like 150, 160. That's like, really high. Yeah. Like it was all the physical symptoms. I was like, this is not yeah, good. Yeah. You're not ready to go. Yeah. So if you were like a wearing a whoop person, you probably would have woke up red. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And my sleep because of stress that week was garbage. Really bad. Like up for 30 minutes at a time, four times every night kind of thing, like yeah. all that stuff. So um, I spent Sunday just in Zen. I'm like, I'm only going to do things that relax me mm. all of Sunday after that run. Just yeah, like terrible. a serotonin day. Kind of. Yeah. Um, so then Monday, I did the thing that you probably shouldn't do, but I, I needed to for myself is like make up the long run. Yeah. So Monday I did 18. and I mean, you're fine. still what? Three and a half weeks out? Yeah. Like, you're now, now, yeah, right. actually, we're like two weeks out two now. Two weeks? <laughs> oh, right. It's so because next, next weekend is the 31st and then you're the eighth. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks. I mean, two weeks. Still, it was but Monday. Yeah, it was, On so Monday, it was two and a half weeks away. And I needed to have bother, something you know? that was 18 plus. Yeah. Um, and then I'll probably do like Saturday or Sunday this weekend. I might do 12 to 14, mm -hmm. maybe something like 10. Oh, uh, well, that would be. Oh, wow, this weekend's the last weekend for a long run before the race. Yeah. Ha! Look at that. There you go. This so, is a long run weekend for you. Yeah, um, and then I'll just sort of taper my overall volume, probably get down to something like a 15-mile week the week before, which is going to drive me insane. Um, the, I actually hate everything around competitions. Mm -hmm. I hate the deload after it. I hate the taper before yeah. it. I hate all that. Like, Because this is my first marathon. Like, I should probably... I mean, generally, if you do a true effort, most people take at least a week, probably 10 days, entirely off. If you do that serious of an effort. It's a long time. If you do that, like, if you're truly pushing yourself, like, to your limit for a running event, yeah. people generally just, like, nothing I would for just, a week. I would just change the training. Mm-hmm. Like... But the thing is that it's generally, like, a central nervous system taxing at that point. It's not just, like, muscular fatigue. Yeah, I would... Um, but that depends on what your effort is on the day. Well, I think it also depends on who you are and how you respond. Yeah. Like, oh, for if sure. If you're somebody who's really, really, like, attuned to long-form endurance training, that's not going to hit you that hard, like, central nervous system-wise. Your service... Like, actually fatiguing your CNS... I've listened to Andy Galpin talk about this a little bit. I don't know any of the details on it, but I remember him being, like... sort of like He sort of, like, paused. Somebody asked him a question about, like, fatiguing your CNS, and he was like, it kind of doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not really true. Like, it can, but... The places I felt it is when it's the combination of high uh, volume and high stress. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's um, they start to feel, like, sort of beat up. Yeah. But that's why, like... But even the people that I know that are, like, sub-elite, right? Yeah. Like, in, out in Colorado, right, buddy? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. does is a 220 marathoner and does 130-mile weeks back-to-back, all yeah. this kind of stuff. 
Take a week plus off after a race. And do nothing? Mm-hmm. Not even like bike or lift? Like if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, this is a great opportunity to do some lifting. Like walking around. No, because like my legs are going to be shot. But your upper body they will be shot. They need to recover. Yeah, my upper body, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's one of those things. I'm not saying I'm right, but it's like that's my like initial thought is is like that's a really long time off. Mm-hmm. When you've been training at 22 miles, at 18 miles, like. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, to be fair, like games athletes normally take like at least a month. Mm-hmm. I would say the average is about a month completely out of the gym. They say it's more mental. Mm-hmm. Like They're, they just yeah. get away from the environment of I'm in the gym, like mm-hmm. crushing it. You think about it, it's kind of like um, they go to the gym and the gym's not like a place of play anymore. Like it's still fun, I'm sure, but it's mm-hmm. like it's work. Yeah. You spend eight hours a day doing stuff on your body. You just want to like not spend eight hours a day doing stuff on your body. Mm-hmm. So mentally, I feel like I feel like the benefit of the week off for marathon training is equally mental and physical. Yeah, I mean those things are so closely related yeah, that totally. if you don't give yourself the mental, then the physical will show up and like you know you be jacked up. Way. Yeah, are you going to take time off after? I should. Oh, well, it depends. So for me, I want to like push myself, but not do a 10 out of 10 effort where I'm like truly depleted at the end. Mm-hmm. So like for context, you know, my long runs, I did one that was 20 miles at like 810. And now yep. I'm going to go do 26 at like a little bit under eight. And like, this isn't going to be like when I did my half and was at 177 average heart rate for 90 for minutes. 90 minutes. That's, you know, like, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be that. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping that I don't have to do anything crazy, but I'll try and take at least a few days. I was going to say maybe like like if the normal's 10, maybe 5. Yeah. 5. And I'll like, be getting itchy by you, that point. Yeah, and that's actually a good sign. Yeah. People say that like when, when you, you start getting really itchy to go, mm-hmm. you're starting to like I noticed last night I was like I'm very ready to get back into a lifting session. Like I have a I had not touched a barbell. I did some benching, but I hadn't touched like any leg movement since. <laughs> I love that <laughs> since quarterfinals. Uh-huh. And uh, and quarterfinals is not volume that matches training volume. It's just very intense. Mm-hmm. So like, I was beat up afterwards, but only because the the output was so high, not because the volume was so high. Yeah. Um, the relationship between volume and intensity is really interesting. Yeah. Just like when you're tapering for running, generally a best practice is like taper your volume but keep some intensity in there. Yeah. Exact same for a CrossFit. It's yeah. like take the volume down to. I've heard anything from thirty to seventy percent, which is a huge range. Yeah. Um, but like, keep your, like, hit some heavy weights. Like we hit ninety five percent weights the week leading up. Mm-hmm. Thank God, because then I had a clean, jerk, clean jerk max. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's like, but yeah, not like last night. I was like, give, give me some, like, I need my drug. Mm-hmm. Give it back. I want it back. <laughs> so we'll see. Right now, I'm. I could see myself actually enjoying the time off because I'm kind of overrunning right now in this block. Like, I'm kind of excited for the race, and I think I will be more when it gets closer, but I'm just kind of mm-hmm. like, kind of tired of these long ass runs. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, as much as I enjoy running. So, I means um, your deload's coming at the, or your taper is hitting at the right at time. At the right point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you need the break. Yeah. It's also a good chance I, like to like do some en- extra mental work. Mm-hmm. You know, like do some extra recovery, go to the recovery room. Get some cryo, you know, like just do yeah. like random shit you never do. Uh-huh. Drop in at a fitness class that you didn't ever be at, you know, just like exactly. You don't have to like sit in your apartment bored, no. But like not. I'm do gonna be hitting the bike, training. man. Yeah, hitting the bike. Um, 
All right, Joe, any content that has been interesting for you recently? I'm rereading a book. Okay. So there's a book. Um, so Stephen Kotler is the guy who writes um, a lot of stuff on Flow. Mm-hmm. So he's managing director of Flow Research Collective, co-founder of that. And basically what they do is... Um, so the guy who co-wrote Thinking Fast and Slow with Daniel Kahneman, I cannot pronounce his name. It's He's, I believe, Israeli, and I cannot pronounce his name even close. Okay. So I'm not going to butcher it. Yep. Um, but he's sort of considered like the godfather of flow science. Mm-hmm. This guy's kind of picked up from his work, and their their community is... He he is not a PhD researcher, but he, he like organizes the whole thing and runs the business and started it, and they go and do crazy research, and he's a really good writer. So... He writes all these books on basically like out, outstanding human performance, which I just find very fascinating. And the first book I ever picked up on it from him was a book called Art of Impossible. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a meant to be an exercise book as you go. Like he says like, all right, now do this thing. And the first time I read it, I just wanted to get the information so badly that I barely did any of them. I just like wanted to read it. And so I'm going back and doing them now. I'm reading it again, mm, okay. doing them this time. Um, and I just finished a book from him called Nar Country, which is his latest book about um, basically how to not take the, oh, you're getting older. Just sit it out. Your fun times are over. You can't do anything anymore. You're past 35. You can't learn anything. Like oh, all these sort of like the worst, all these sort of like tropes that are like, well, you know, the brain only knows new, like can only learn new language when you're young. It's like, well, that's not actually true mm-hmm. at all. And everything else, right? Like, and that book, Nar Country is about his um, his quest to learn how to be a park skier. Park skiing is when you throw tricks and jumps and grabs and stuff. Yeah. And he was already an expert skier, like a backcountry skier, but, um, or I guess they call it, um, cross country. No, not cross country and not back, but not backcountry. Um, just like big slope. Oh, okay. Big mountain down the, down the mountain fast. Yeah. But never did like tricks, jumps. And so he's 54. He's like, I'm gonna learn how to do it. And, Ran like an experiment on himself and learned how to be an intermediate level park skier in like 18 months, which is mind boggling. Yeah. According to all the stuff. So really cool. Um, going back through Art of Impossible, which is fun. And I love geeking out on like how we perform our best. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, you know, I was thinking as as we were talking earlier, I was trying to scroll through because I feel like I listened to a different podcast recently. So I was kind of going through my my recents, but... <laughs> I can't find whatever that podcast was. So, um, oh yeah, I guess I listened to a little bit of uh, On Purpose, some of those interviews with Jay Shetty. Um, and Lewis Hamilton did uh, an interview, and he doesn't do very many of those, so that was kind of interesting to listen yeah, to. Yeah, he's normally the interviewer. Uh, Lewis is Oh, just, sorry, I'm thinking of a different Lewis. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton doesn't do anything. No, he doesn't at all. do anything, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was interesting. So I don't know, I've just been like, my volume of podcast consumption has just gone up. It's like oh, really? truly hours a day. Mine yeah. has gone down. Really? Immensely. Yeah. Is it because you're making them so much? Maybe. I haven't really considered why it is. I don't know. Or are you? has that been replaced with something else? Like, Are you reading more I'm, proportionately? Pro- probably yeah. a little bit more. Um, Only so many hours in the day, so something's got to drop. Yeah, and just like... I've been doing some training for work. Like I just finished our value prop training. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think reading's probably taken the place of it. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to find some new stuff too, like taking some like economist podcasts. 
just like random stuff I don't normally listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah, I don't know. Nothing that interesting from my perspective. Just kind of volume of podcasts increasing. You know what I think it is? Mm. I think some of my standards, I'm not interested in their topics right now. Ah, interesting. So I haven't really been interested in who's been on Rich's lately. I haven't been interested in Huberman's content lately. Okay. I haven't been interested in Knowledge Project. Like, there's been a ton of stuff that I listened to last year a lot that just, like, hasn't been speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't should podcast content. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, this person's on Huberman that's talking about sleep. I should listen to that. It's like, oh, if I don't really care about sleep right now, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm just, like, not forcing myself to, like, care about something that I don't care about yeah there's enough stuff that i care about that i need to learn more about that i will find it mm-hmm. you know so that's probably what it actually is okay two bobs last week have you listened to that yet? uh i i need to it's i'll do that like today the best one really it might be their best episode i'm gonna put a note here actually it's so good i actually meant to stick it in um chat gpt and have it summarized for me mm. so i could keep the notes but then i just listened to it twice and wrote it myself i'm putting it down to listen to two bobs today it was one of those things where you listen to and you're like, oh, that was the thing I was missing. You know, like that moment where you've, where you've heard the same like thing or mm-hmm. same like premise a few times and then somebody presents it differently or gives you more nuance to it and you're like, oh, oh, that was the missing piece. They connect the dots for you. Connect it. It really like clicked okay. a lot about like pricing and. Oh, so that's yeah, part of that. So, Ooh, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah, I you'll like it. It's good. Okay. That's actually something I should dive deeper into. Pricing theory, yeah, mm-hmm. mm, that that could be interesting. Yeah, I should we, go look at some pricing theory. Like we consume a lot that is specific to us, our industry, but there are theories and practices I'm sure from others that we like on the surface say that's not relevant, but actually there's probably some like principles in there or psychology that does play. The first exercise in Art of Impossible is to write down 25 things that you are curious about, not like fitness mm-hmm. way too broad be like more specific and the way he frames it is would you read a couple books on this topic attend a weekend lecture take a training put it on the list and what he's actually talking about and the reason he said this is important is that um your brain subconsciously it starts connecting vast arrays of information and like brings them and finds interesting overlaps um like the book the exec team's reading right now range mm-hmm. i read it last year and he talks about it too where it's like one of the best ways to be um, like a consultant is to be very broad in what you consume yep. and know a lot of random stuff because yep. you will start overlapping what appears to be disconnected information onto each it's other. It's that pattern matching that is like a instrumental. And so I think us being too close to pricing that's only about our industry, yep. we need to know that really well, but I think there's a lot of benefit in getting outside of it too. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Great. Yes. All right, I'm going to listen to that one. Yeah. Well, Joe, main topic today, 30 minutes in. Uh, the idea, we can cut some if we need to. Yeah, we can, but I we probably, probably won't. won't. <laughs> That's too much editing work. Um, but this idea of ceiling, so even when we had the episode that where we were each diving into, like, what do we want to contribute to the world? What do we want to get out of life, right? Like, mine is never set on my own ceiling and helping other people push past theirs, right? And you said when you texted me about this idea that uh, we generally are two people who firmly firmly believe in like anything is possible, don't set your own ceiling. But then you said to me that you have found yourself setting it recently. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Um, 
I don't know where or how this started coming to my attention, but I lack like belief that things are possible. Oh, interesting. You lack belief that they are possible. And maybe it's not that they are not possible, but that they will happen. Okay, give me an example. Um, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a very, very real example. I am feeling myself very uncertain about like our new biz target mm-hmm. and the ability to make it real. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, feeling like our targets as a company are are makeable mm. feels like I almost now expect it not to happen. Interesting. And I was like, ooh, first of all, got to fix that. Yeah. That's a problem. Like, that's a thought. That's a that's a problem. We got to fix that. Um, but it, it's, it as per usual, came to me through, like, fitness stuff. Going into quarters this year, I had a goal of um, getting top 2,000. Yep. So I was 2,200th last year. I was like, top 2,000 would be great. I actually had a lower open performance than I did the year before. So I was like... I mean, I got a lot better at a lot of things, but maybe my weaknesses have, have gotten to be such a problem that I'm getting past. Um, and then I, like, did really well. Like, way better than I really had any thought I would get. Like, top 1,500, you know, 1,300th or so. And um, it was like, oh, wow, that's sort of weird. And in that moment, I was like, you know what? So I'm about to be 30 next month. And the way CrossFit stages themselves is there. They call it individual is 18 to 34. And at 35, you jump to the first master's category. It's 35 to 39, 40 to 44, 45 to 49. Yep. 50 to 54 and then 55 plus. And uh, I was like, games as a 35 year old. And I said it and I was like, is that even like a thing? I was like, that's a thing. Like, yeah, that's a thing. I'm like elite in some things. Mm-hmm. So if I can fix these weaknesses over the next five years, which is forever. Yep. Um, yeah, I think it's real. And it was like b- before showing myself that I was making like huge amounts of progress, I was sort of like, that'll never be who I am. And I won't even let myself think about it because I, it's not real. Mm-hmm. And, and saying it is so ludicrous that it's just like dumb and I feel like an idiot. And I was like, ooh, I'm doing that other places. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep. If, if you're doing it there, you're doing it everywhere. And you just haven't uncovered where it's happening yet. Do you find that that mentality is reactive for you? So, for example, uh, you have, you're missing a belief of ability to hit new biz target in a period where there are like red scorecard metrics. Mm. And do you think that if those were green, presumably, you wouldn't feel that concern. Let's go to fitness. Limit Limiting what you think is possible for yourself in the fitness arena being tied to your current performance in fitness. So do you feel like that is a reactive mentality for you to what is going on in your current environment? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. Because we've hit new business target the last two years. Actually exceeded it. So, like, historically it would say doable. Um, so I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know the answer to it. Um, I think it's a little bit deeper. I think it's a little more, like, rooted in 
like both um what's the word i'm looking for like programming like upbringing programming Mm -hmm. and just like things not going the way i wanted them to do you think some of this is still tied to soccer oh there's so much sport there's so much sport that is tied to i think that because you in a way hit a ceiling yeah that was lower than what you were aspiring to that that means that now you put that ceiling lower than it maybe should be in other places. Yeah, it's possible. I think it's just that like the idea of um, like you can accomplish stuff that you want to. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm. Mm. So if somebody, like when people <laughs> use the language, like you can do anything you set your mind to. Oh God, give me a break. Now there's the like fluffy side of that. Yeah. But theoretically there's there's limits so i'm gonna put like ceilings and i think we've talked about this some before if somebody told me you could be better than elliot kipchoge at running be like you're an idiot that's not possible okay (laughs) but the like idea that as a human who is logical and obviously knows something like that extreme is not within the realm of reality just based on timeline and other factors that anything that you want to do is actually possible. You know I truly have belief around that. I actually am going to use your Kipchoge as a as an example. Okay. Um, and this is where I think we get in our own way because we know too much. So there's a concept in sales called dummy curve, mm-hmm. right? And it's where when you're a beginner in sales and you're a beginner in a new um, like industry, you're actually really effective because you don't know anything. And so you ask questions yeah genuine questions because you don't know and then there becomes this point in time where you start to hit like competence phase where you actually get much worse um you you start making assumptions you write stories in your head you don't ask for clarity you think you know already and your performance just goes to the floor and then at some point you get smart enough to realize like i actually don't know anything i never know the story all i can do is ask good questions and then you go back to actually you you supersede your per- first performance because now yeah. you have intelligence and application. Yep. And what came to my head when you said I could never be what Kipchoge is is like I'm not here to say like yeah you could yeah you could right now you could be. But it's interesting to think as a thought experience in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. If you could like quit your job, get rid of every responsibility in your life. Mm-hmm. And all you do for 40 hours a week or more is get better at running. running. I like move to a high altitude location. Yeah, you do all the things. Well, that's where to me, it's actually not, it's actually not can't, it's won't. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. But with decision laid into that. So it's like, I can't be a better runner than the best runner in the world because I am choosing to X, Y, Z, right? Uh, And like... The probability of that going well for me and being able to like sustain a living if I just decided to drop everything and become a professional well, yeah. Then runner, we, like, we start writing all the reasons that yeah. we won't do it that are that are logical. Yeah. I'm not saying here like you know what you should do tomorrow. Reed. You should you should quit your job and try to do that. Yeah. But like, but point being like, so let's do a different example, right? Yeah. Uh, I feel like you could tell a lot of people that like you could go up to a lot of people and say like, yeah, you're probably not going to be like the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Probably not going to make sense. But if somebody asked me, like, do you think you could be 
at some point in the future, CEO of a Fortune 500 big? Yeah, maybe. It's like, and to a lot of people, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, no way. But I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Like, I that would that is a pretty high ceiling. It's a very high bar. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I think, um, you know what? I, th- I actually think it's weird. Um, if somebody were to ask me, are you risk averse? I would say no. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to wonder if the answer is actually yes. Really? I'm starting to wonder if I'm not risk averse to um, rewind. I'm actually wondering if I just always have a plan B. You know, like the phrase burn mm-hmm. the boats. Yeah. Like, you want to take the city, burn the boats. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of always write a way out mm-hmm. in my head. Like, you can get out of this if you fail. Well, I think risk, we're going, we're going all over the place yeah, here. Yeah. I think risk has an interesting relationship with priorities. Here's what I mean by that. So let's say uh, I wanted to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, right? The risk side of that is like, all right, I would like have to make decisions today to change that trajectory. Yep. Okay. Great. And I and I feel like if I wanted to make those trajectory changes, make those decisions, and that I'm marching towards doing whatever it takes to be a CEO of a Fortune 500, I could do those. Mm-hmm. But, and sure, I'm not limiting myself and saying like I don't want to do that at some point in time. But my priorities right now that isn't on the, the list. thing yeah so i'm not gonna do that yep so i think that like i think you could apply that in a lot of different places of what do you actually want because the, the, there's the question that's in this ceiling thing as well like telling yourself you can't reach a certain thing versus like do you actually want a certain thing do you yeah. want the things that are at that super high ceiling or well, not one of the things that struck me while we were just starting to talk is like, oh, this is the, this is one of the underlying reasons to have like high hard goals. Like, I think that, um, I think that having really high hard goals is like a very dual sided coin or a double sided sword or whatever phrase we want to use for this because it actually, some people like us, it creates a lot of gap thinking. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm so far away. Yep. But it also gives you mission, it gives you purpose, it gives you something to strive toward, it gets you out of bed in the morning, like, it gives you this, like, drive behind it that is, that makes every day of your life, in my opinion, better. Yep. And then while you were talking about one thing earlier, the thing in my head was like, oh, you can't even, you can't even have a ceiling until you figure out, like, what you want. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just taking what the world says you should want to do. Yep. Like, technically speaking, if you're in business as a profession, then, like, what the world looks at and says is success is, like, leading the company. Vertical progression. Vertical progression. And, yeah, there's issues all over the map there. But I think that the... I remember sitting down with the guy who um, really... His name's Carlos Soto. He owns Impact Zone in Lafayette, and he helped build my gym. And yep was there for my mom passing away. He was like very instrumental in my growing up. And I remember sitting with him in his gym one day and I was like, he's a black belt in jujitsu. Um, he's won worlds. He's on team USA. He's like a, he is an elite fighter. And I was like, why aren't you in the UFC? This is when UFC was like in my head, just the coolest thing yeah. like in college. 
he was like, well, what do those UFC guys do? And I was like, I don't know, fight people and get paid for it. And he was like, yep, yep. They get hit a lot, right? I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, that's a thing. He was like, do you know what they do when they retire? And I was like, no. And he was like, they own a gym. And we were sitting there in his like 6,000 square foot facility. And he looks around, looks back at me and smiles. And I was like, you have the gym. He's like, I have the gym. He was like, what am I going to get in the ring for and get hit for? He's like, I don't need it ego wise mm-hmm. to know that I'm the man. I already have the end goal that they all want, which is to have a gym that they then make money off of because of their name. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I already make money off my business because I've built a business. And it was like this normal, quote unquote, focus from the world of like, if you're a great fighter, go get in the UFC and make money. doesn't make sense in that scenario it's the like vertical progression for the sake of progression without an understanding of the why yeah because you can play that back to the in the business world right like the society tells you that you should get better and get promoted and get better and get promoted and get better and get promoted until the end of time until you retire and yep. you die and then at the same time buy a bigger house and get a nicer car and repeat 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 yep so yep. let's look at that why why do you why do you need to be the ceo of the company. Hmm? What, what do you want out of that? Is it because it means more money and freedom? Great. You don't need well, to be the CEO it, of the does company. Does it actually do mean more freedom? It doesn't. <laughs> it means less way. freedom. <laughs> um, but is it because it means more money? Great. You know you can do that in other ways, right? It's like yeah. interrogating why you're striving towards these things is really, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a layer that like, yeah. I mean, like as we're talking about it, this is why I enjoy these conversations is that I only can think about these things by talking or writing. Mm-hmm. And I'd prefer to talk to write. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is really, it, it's really, you asked, is this a situational thing? Mm-hmm. And the last time I remember not having ceilings was before I failed at soccer. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, everything is possible. Yeah. Like, we're your oyster. We're going to be go. MLS, baby. Oh, well, no, that was like, we're going, <laughs> we're going Europe, baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I never dreamed of the MLS, which is not a hate on the MLS. And yeah. I was not good enough playing the MLS, but like, you're like Premier League. Let's go. It, it was like, I want to play in Europe. It was, yeah. it actually had very little to do with soccer and very much to do with the lifestyle of that. Uh huh. Just, and not, not like the lifestyle of like, I want the fancy cars and like the house. I mean, I wanted that too, but it was like, go over there, do a thing you love, experience a new world completely mm-hmm. different than what you've ever experienced before. As I've unpacked, <laughs> I am, I believe, a four. The different of it all was like very... How unique. I was like, this is so unique. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. It's like, oh, it's so different and unique and special. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and ever since that dream went away, I have seen myself just like not think that the unique and different and special is attainable. Hmm interesting yeah i'm even thinking about now to that end of why you're striving for the things that you're striving with like me and the fitness things i'm going for now right like i've i've told you that i want this year to be the year that i like become an endurance animal and like sign up for my first ultra marathon and first triathlon Mm -hmm. and all these things are you gonna do a full try to start full iron man i didn't know there were differences there are four common distances of triathlon sprint olympic half and full Okay. Sprint is, uh, I'm going to butcher the distances here. Give me general. Um, like point something mile swim, uh, 10 to 
20 mile bike ride and like 5k. Oh, okay. And then yeah. Olympic is you could do like, that like tomorrow. Yeah. Like Olympic is like just under a mile swim, uh, 25 mile bike, 10k run, half Ironman, uh, 1.2 mile swim, 13.1 mile run, 13.1 mile run, and a 61 ish mile bike. Okay. And then full Ironman, marathon, full marathon, 112 mile bike ride, and 2.4 mile swim. What? That swim is nasty. That swim is disgusting. You start the water, right? It's swim, bike, run. Damn. Yeah. I bet when you get off the bike, you are in a bad spot. Yeah. And there's all the nuance in triathlon world, too, of like the cadence that you carry on the bike is not going to be the same cadence that you have when you run. And there's like the form and locations and all like some yeah. technical stuff that's yeah. screwed with your head there. Um, so all that to say, first triathlon, like sprint or Olympic just to like kind of do the thing yeah. because swimming is going to be rough gonna be a me. challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to so tell myself I can't do it. I suck at swimming, but I'll do it. Well, it's I, sort of like, like we talked about this a little bit ago of like setting it just a little bit farther. Yeah. Then actually in our country talks about that. He's like, it's the challenge skill sweet spot where the challenge is just enough beyond your current skill set that it's motivating, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, um, it's not attainable. So it doesn't drive your motivation down. Cause I was even thinking about the half Ironman. Like a half marathon after a 60-mile bike ride after a mile swim. And I caught myself being like, that's not that bad, <laughs> which is so weird because well, I haven't done any of but that. But it's nice because the, the marathon part is not bad. Like the 13-mile run for you is not bad. And But like the 60-mile so ride like matches the longest bike ride I've ever done. Yeah, totally. And so it's like, okay, maybe I don't go all the way there at the start mm-hmm. because like that 13-mile might be really bad. But if you can start even somewhere close to that, you know you have a thing coming that you're good at. Yep. And it's like, I'll be fine. And it's like mentally, you're not intimidated. You're but, like stretched and mm-hmm. not intimidated. But to the point of the like, the why in this ceiling conversation is, am I doing this just because it's the next harder thing? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it actually does tie back to that like core purpose I have of like continually pushing my own ceiling higher and then helping like eventually get to the point where I can put myself in environments to help other people do that. Like, I think they're actually, the why is actually there. It's not like doing harder for the sake of doing harder. Mm -hmm. Although my purpose is kind of doing harder for the sake of doing harder. It's just like, see what's possible. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've just been sort of like digesting that as you're going through your own self exploration in this moment. Well, I think there's something to what you just said as well about maybe the thing I actually want is to be able to, maybe the feeling I'm actually going after is to be able to dream again. Hmm. And when I do something better, I unlock belief that has gone away. And maybe that's what I actually want. Like I used to, I used to just love getting lost in daydreams. Just yeah. like I would be lost. Like it, I, technically it was probably visualization. I would be lost in a great visualization. And I just have like lost the ability to do that. Hmm. And every time I do something hard and different, and like at a different level, I, I sort of like unlock. It's almost like I think about it like a video game. You're like, unlock new no, character. New level new achieved. New level achieved. <laughs> Neither of us play video games. So yeah, I know. No so. idea this is real. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but that's what I have in my head is like, you've unlocked the next stage. Congratulations. You can go farther and you can think bigger. And I almost have to like retrain myself to believe it. Are you iteratively pushing your ceiling higher 
So for so. instance, it's like, I'm going to do well in the open. Oh, you know, I think I can do quarterfinals. Oh, you know, I think now maybe games is a thing versus like being shit at CrossFit and being like, I think I can go to the games. Yeah, yeah. I sort of hate the like, and maybe this is a problem too, but like I hate the just believe it mm-hmm. message and like people walk into whatever they're doing and they're like, I'm going to be amazing at this now. And it's like, the timeline thing, there's a part of that. But even if yeah. I think, like, I, I said a little bit ago that I kind of do believe that platitude of you can do anything that you set your mind to, right? But See, and I like the fact that somebody I respect believes that. But here's the thing. If I think about my own journey, let's say, with fitness, because, of course, um, if you talked to me in high school when I was 205 pounds and had never run more than 10 feet in my life... Uh, Besides, like, soccer as a kid, right? Yeah. I was in all that kind of stuff. But if you're like, if I then was like, you know what? I think I can do a full Ironman or a half Ironman. Yeah. I'd be like, no, that was not at all. It was like, I am depressed and I need to get in shape. Okay, now I think like, oh, maybe I could, like, run five miles. It's like, oh, maybe I could do a half marathon. Oh, maybe I could do a sub-90 half marathon. Mm. Oh, you know what? I did that. Maybe I could do a marathon. And so even for me, like I, I try, I do believe that like you can set your mind to things, but I think to really believe it, you have to have those iterative steps of gradually pushing your ceiling versus yeah. like going from zero to a hundred. And I probably had a I probably have done a really bad job historically of setting goals. I get too excited and set goals that are past achievability. And I don't think about them on like a five year or a ten year time horizon. I think about them on like a now horizon mm-hmm. and then they don't happen because they're completely absurd and not realistic or actually time like they're they're goals set by a five-year-old mm-hmm. i'm gonna go to the moon tomorrow <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's like well that's not happening um and so then the feedback loop i've given myself is whatever you set won't happen so mm-hmm. stop believing that they're real so then goals get set and i'm like the immediate subconscious is not going to happen, and then you'll sub you'll sabotage yep. them happening. So, how would you behave differently if you accepted that those ceilings were false? Um, the thing that popped into my head was actually to make like a real vision board, and then reverse engineer it. Because here's what I was going to say to you: is let's go back to your new biz target. Yeah, yeah right yeah. now you're that's like, where my head's at too. We're like we're not going to hit that number. Yeah. You're like I, I just don't think that the the new biz target is realistic. And then I'm going to say to you, it's possible. Uh-huh. I don't give a shit what you think. Yeah. All right. What needs to be true then? Yeah. I, honestly, what I need to make real for myself is, and I actually did a little bit of this on my clarity break, which helped sort of unpack that. And I felt, I feel more confident than I did prior to that, but like I'm yep. still fighting the confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, is start to reverse engineer like what needs to happen when to make that real from yep. a numbers standpoint, from a deal standpoint, when it's happened in the second quarter, like all those pieces. Um, and so that's why I think that like taking, um, taking some like, just like throwing some darts at things I think I want. Um, and actually, Clarity Break also helped with that. I have like a list of things. And then reverse engineering what are the steps to make those happen and starting to get them down. This is not revolutionary. This is just actually no. doing the work of unpacking what you want to have happen and making daily actions and and milestones along the way that say you're getting closer mm-hmm. so that my feedback loop stops being, 
that's not going to happen. Like deep down, like mm-hmm. your real belief is that that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You can like say the right things, and be like I believe in it, but like if you, it's so if your subconscious could yeah. talk, it would say he doesn't believe in that. Mm-hmm. All right, does your subconscious believe that you can be a games athlete at thirty five? He's trying. <laughs> <laughs> it was what it what it did say to me is like what I do believe is like. You're much better than you thought you were. Mm-hmm. You have strengths that are actual strengths. Like I thought the things I was good at were like relative to me. Like, oh, you're okay. And these things that you're good at are just your strengths. And now I've had a couple feedback loops where it's like, no, your strengths are strengths. Like, period. Not to you. They're not individual games athletes' strengths. But like, they're actually kind of close. Mm-hmm. There's like a couple things that I'm like, pretty elite at and it's like oh that's cool and if i can be good at that why can't i be good at this so it's sort of like yep created a feedback loop of of some belief of like oh yeah okay like the work you've done on this stuff is has worked so just do it again on the other stuff that you historically have not done it on you know what i mean so it's like it gets like there's discipline can't really be divorced from this conversation of like yeah Setting no ceiling and then doing nothing to get there is nonsense, right? It's like the way that you get there is through the disciplined action, right? So it's like if you want to be, if you're telling yourself you can be a games athlete, but then you go and like eat Cheetos all day and sit yeah. on the couch, like sure, you're probably going to Your actions stuff, must mimic. Like, your actions must mimic your goals. There's a last thing that I'll, we could, I could go forever, forever on this, but yeah. there's another concept in sales. Um, it's called the behavior attitude technique triangle. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's a triangle because you can do any of the three to change the other. So a great attitude can influence your technique, which will influence your behavior, et cetera, et cetera. And I think everybody has different things that can get them out of a bad spot. So if your attitude sucks, are you somebody who beha- can behave yourself out of it? Mm-hmm. Or um, if your behavior sucks, can you have a great attitude and, and fix it? Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. And I think there's something to reinforcing what you're telling yourself is possible with your behaviors. Yeah. Like you can't fake yourself out. Like if you if you're saying like my my goal is to really simple as one ever. I need to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to lose 10 pounds is my goal. And it's like if if your behavior during the day is such that you don't do the actions that you believe to be necessary to make that real, you will never think it's actually going to happen and you can't mm-hmm. lie to yourself. Can't look in the mirror and be like I'm doing everything I can. It's like no you're not. Yep. There's sort of that like and then your subconscious starts going like this isn't going to happen. You're like bullshitting. And like you know it. You know it. So I think there is this like this belief thing and like the reinforcing to your point of like yeah, if you're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos all day you're not going to you're not going to get there and you know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Oh uh, yeah there's so much to go into. We'll have to I'm sure there's a follow on conversation we could have around this topic at some yeah. point in time. Yeah. I mean it's one of my favorite topics and I could use the accountability on like, have you, have you made that vision board? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you should ask me that next week on our content conversation. Yeah. I want you to ask me, did you make your vision board? 